Hello, you're listening to the Mag Culture podcast recorded right here in the Mag Culture shop, Clerkenwell, London. I'm Jeremy Leslie. And I'm Liv Siddall. So welcome to the second edition of the Mag Culture podcast. I'm Jeremy Leslie and with me is Liv Siddall. Hello. Hiya. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm very well. It's a while ago now, back in the summer. Yeah. Uh, when we last met um, to, to, to do one of these and we were talking about a couple of things. You were going to go and visit Somerset House. I was, yes, and, and I did. And the print exhibition. And yeah. How did you find it? I loved it. Um, it was smaller than I thought, but it was just packed full of great stuff. It had this amazing map on the wall, as you said, about um, kind of all the magazines in, mm-hmm. in history, sort of in this big kind of flow chart thing, which was excellent. I uh, saw some really good magazines. Shrew, which I didn't know about mm-hmm. before, which is the suppressed power, power the suppressed power of female sexuality uh and from then, the 60s from the 60s yeah. yeah and then one called friends which i've seen before but not in the flesh mm-hmm. um and just some other fantastic i just wanted loads of pictures of the design and the kind of copy and stuff but i as you said kind of pointed out um to me i'm not sure whether it was in the podcast or not but you couldn't actually open some of the magazines which was quite um hard because they were like behind glass and so you just <laughs> you're <laughs> desperate to open these magazines but you can't um but it was it was great and they had a really really good selection of stuff in the gift shop that you don't need that I bought lots of like old copies of Enemy and old kind of back issues of magazines it was just yeah it was very good but gone uh, and it's over yeah, yeah. so <laughs> if you liked how that sounds then you definitely can't go to it so uh, and then my task was to go on holiday it was yeah um, and I did go on holiday and uh, the place where I went as I mentioned last time did have a complete set bound copies of all the face magazine from beginning to end and I did try to have a look through them and I got through about one volume maybe about a year and a half which was interesting in its own right it was it was the beginning right from the very beginning the first issue and on and it was fascinating to look at it um I think sometimes with with sort of classic magazines like that we think they arrive fully formed but this here was printed proof that the face did not land as a finished item it was really? um, it was it was stretching itself to be some sort of there was an ambition and thought and you could see where it wanted to be but it it hasn't worn well it, it became a lot better later on I mean not within a year yeah but um but to begin with it was quite the pace was quite spread out and the design wasn't great lots of photography some great photography and sort of photo reports but often quite sort of spread out like they didn't have quite enough stuff to fill the issue really that's funny to hear that um so is that is that the what's the biggest change you saw from kind of the the very early issues uh, to it it sort of settled well it, the, the, the tipping point came when they, they they suddenly realized there was this whole kind of clubbing scene going on and various correspondents like Rob, robert elms got involved uh neville Brody started designing it and it just it, it sort of before as you turn through the pages it's sort of it, I mean, it's fascinating because it's a magazine coming to life in front of your very eyes. But yeah. it didn't start at a point of perfection. But what magazines do? But yeah, that's good to know, actually. The other thing was is they were obsessed by New York. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, I guess we didn't know much about what was happening in New York then. It was still this kind of distant fantasy land. And it, so there were, there were always photo reports and James Truman was, the, was their New York editor and he always had columns and they so lots of reverence for stuff that was happening in America, which is fascinating looking at That's it now. That's cool. That's great. And also you get to look look back on all the nice um, adverts from the... Yes. From the That's my, yes. my favourite bit. Doing yes, that. strange clothes in. and um, boot shops in, in, in the middle of nowhere that did mail order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. T-shirts. Yeah. Which are no more. No. 
Um, so you had a good holiday then. That's good. Yes. Good yes. that you didn't spend any time by the pool. You just sat inside reading magazines like the best of us would. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing but that. So there's been lots of events, magazine kind of related events recently, none of which I admit I've been mm-hmm. to, but you've been to all of them. So why don't you tell us about well, them? Uh, yeah, well, the, the Mag, we've been busy at Mag Culture with a number of events. We um, we were up in Edinburgh. I've, I've just been back from Edinburgh where I was doing a little talk and had some guests uh, doing presentations about independent publishing and what... Um, what the, what the uh, other publishers can learn from the indies, and that was fascinating doing that. We also had the pop-up shop. Uh, several highlights during that day, big speakers like um, Mike Sutar, who's the man behind Shortlist and Stylist, talking about his history, because way back he goes, he was at Smash Hits and some um, uh, t- a general talking about the, the free ma- uh, magazine industry. Uh, but also the, maybe the highlight for me was the confirmation of... of development plans for the international magazine center which would be in edinburgh (gasps) so exciting uh and at that it's it's still very early you know fundraising stages but they're hoping to have an archive a museum an event space a shop a members club a library i mean all sorts of things around the idea of promoting and establishing um the kind of historical relevance of magazines that's gonna be so good um so the IMC should be opening in Edinburgh. I don't know, maybe maybe not for another five, ten years or something. But the project is in hand. So if you search that online, I think there's some information on the Magfest website. Uh, and then the pop up also was present at the Whitechapel Gallery uh, about three weeks ago uh, for the London Art Book Fair, where mm. we uh, the pop up was there, and we also had a little area called the Mag Culture Quarter where we had sixteen invited magazines presenting. Uh, their their titles, uh, which is fascinating because sometimes I think you know when, when you're making a magazine, you're you're cut off from your reader. Yeah, I mean you can have events and you can do organise things, but somehow just having a table with a pile of magazines and sat there, um, <laughs> it was fascinating to see how everyone de- dealt with it. You know, I mean, see, seeing the editors of some of your favourite magazines selling it, talking talking to their customers yeah, and, funny, and, and kind it? of people interested or maybe not sure if they're interested. Um, and talking to, talking to everyone afterwards, I think they all found it really uh, worthwhile experience. So going to try and look at maybe doing more things like that. Um, oh, those um, those book fairs are dangerous, aren't they? Well, are they, they, just... they are. I was very very disciplined. Because <laughs> dis- as well as that, there's the magazine section, which is maybe about a fifth of the space, but the rest of it was very very beautiful, very very expensive art books from all around the world. Yeah, you always come away with like a hardback photo book about like logs or something yes, and you're like yes, you get home and it was like yeah. 60 quid it and was you're such like, a good idea at the time <laughs> yeah. and then when you move house you start cursing yourself because you're like why have i got this but you know some of them go on to be um worth a lot of money on ebay so that, <laughs> that's good <laughs> but but um but it's a great they, they haven't done the book fair for, for a couple of years and um it was great yeah it was it was so busy so many people wanted to come and, and and meet the meet the book publishers but also the magazine uh, makers um so big thank you for the white chapel for inviting us to be a part of that we did also catch up with uh, elizabeth from sabat and valentina from suspira who were two of the magazine guests that we had in the magazine quarter so um we can switch over now and, and listen to my chat with them i'm at the london art book fair here at the white chapel gallery where uh, we've had a pop-up shop for this weekend and we've had the mag culture quarter with a number of our favorite magazines displaying their wares and selling lots of copies and um very pleased to welcome two people from those magazines elizabeth from sabat and valentina from suspira welcome thanks for having um, us 
I'm interested to know uh, how you found the fair. How, has it been a useful experience? Has it been successful for you? Absolutely. I, I really enjoyed seeing a lot of familiar faces like Lady Bird and everyone around, um, but also a lot of new titles from mm -hmm. like not from London that I haven't seen before. So yeah. we have Photograph sitting next to us, for example. Yeah. I don't know if that's how you say that, but that would be how you say Photograph in Norwegian. So yes, yeah. Yeah. it sounds convincing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been really good. Uh -huh. I haven't really gotten to explore like the rest of the galleries yeah. yet, but I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, so as well as, well as um, the, the, mag, the magazine, the Mag Culture Quarter, of course, the, the majority of the two galleries mm. is taken up with books, and I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to having a good look through that. Um, but to, to focus on the, on the magazines, I'm interested in particular in the back because that, when we first met and started talking about that, it was going to be three issues: mm. it was the, um, uh, the Trinity, the one, yeah. two, three, and then you came up with Elements, which is the fourth big kind of poster pull-out yeah. section uh, issue. And you've just done some tarot cards. Yeah. So for issue, and that's issue five, is that? That's, yeah? that's issue five. Mm -hmm. We just launched a deck of tarot cards uh, 30th of June this mm -hmm. year. Um, and it was basically um, a continuation of uh, this collaboration that we did for the poster zine. We found this wonderful Italian illustrator, Elisa Seitzinger, who does these amazing sort of medieval looking illustrations that also have they're quite minimal, but they're very quirky and fun, and and they have almost have the Sabbat spirit in them mm -hmm. already. Um, and we realized that she actually did a, a tarot deck herself previously um, in her signature colors, in like this kind of primary red and blue and yellow. And we were like, what if we get her to reinterpret the tarot in a Sabbat way for the millennial witch? So. She's done that for us, um, like printed beautifully with silver ink mm -hmm. on black paper. Um, and we, we hope that uh, people can use it to sort of unearth their inner star. Mm -hmm. It's called the uh, Tara de L'Etoile Caché, um, and it's inspired by the Tara de Marseille and the Rider Waite Smith deck. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a sort of playful take on tarot mm -hmm. that. I, we hope that young creative women and everyone else can use in their uh -huh. ritual practices. Sure, and I'd, li I'd like to pick up on that because I'm, I'm intrigued who your readers actually are and how much you know about them because you, you mentioned uh, witches and, and witchcraft and people using some of these very um, sort of classical uh, ideas to um, experiment with their creativity in their world today. Do you have a sense who your reader is? I mean, are, are they practicing witches? Are they people with the idea? I think it's a mix. We know from uh, one of our favourite stockists in London, uh, other than my culture, uh, <laughs> uh, Treadwell's Bookshop in Bloomsbury, uh, which is the real hub for the mm -hmm. London kind of witchcraft community, that it's very popular there for um, younger witches and people who are like curious about uh, the sort of aesthetics of the craft and like uh, mm -hmm. listening to what other witches sort of think about their practice because that was a big part of Sabbat, kind of like understanding how people look at their own witchcraft practice, what it means to them, if it's a part of a feminist um, ideology, if it's a part mm -hmm. of an art practice. So I think, um, I think a lot of the people who read Sabbat are uh, either like baby witches, young witches, or very curious about witchcraft and they use um, maybe what they read in Saba and the kind of connections that they make through that mm -hmm. work to to delve further into it. But um, I also know that a lot of people who just 
just think that it's like a pretty magazine, but I yeah. think totally well, it, well, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, to say, I mean, they almost sort of um, dismissing for what for me is a key part of the magazine yeah. is it's more than pretty, it's a gorgeous, lush, <laughs> kind of very uh, special magazine with very specific aesthetic. Right? Yeah. Um, which has, has developed into very strong and powerful and beautiful print production values, etc. So I'm sure a lot of the people, there's definitely a, a big part yeah, of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's been really fun because we sort of set out to do this for a witchcraft audience, but then getting this recognition from, from mm -hmm. the pros in the field is very, very <laughs> cool. Um, so very happy and grateful about that. I'm very excited to have you as one of the guest speakers at ModMag this yeah. year. So, um, hoping we'll hear more about future plans for Sabat then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll sort of take everything all together and <laughs> present it for you. <laughs> but meanwhile, you've been working with um, Suspira and Valentina. Yes. And ha tell me how that came about. I mean, you know, you, it's your magazine, you're running yeah. it, but um, there's obviously crossover between the two yeah. entities. Yeah. How, how did the relationship start? So me and Elizabeth met during our MA yeah. at LCF and we started working together ever since I started helping out with Sabbat annotation and um, the idea for Suspira came, I think it was, was it last year? Yeah, last summer. And when I started talking to Elizabeth about it, because I, I value her creative um, perspective quite a lot. so. I came uh, to Elizabeth with that idea and we, when we were talking about it and exchanging ideas we realized that there's a lot of crossover between her readership and my readership so we decided to join forces and out of that also Red Book Press came out yeah you know so yeah. that's how it all came about uh -huh. so you've had the one issue which is the monster issue yes um, but the over, overriding theme is horror the overriding theme yeah is so horror, there, yes. there's um, if somebody doesn't know both of your magazines, there's kind of a uh, there's, there's a kind of goth sort of there's a sort <laughs> yeah, of element yeah, yeah, of all yeah. that to it all. Is that is that does that is that uh, is that right or is that or do you recoil at that kind of description? No, I think that it's correct to an extent. I mean, aesthetically, it is. I think goth is also very general. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many things that can be or cannot be goth. So I think there is an element of darkness and eeriness to both of the magazines um, because they both kind of like tackle a little bit more, not necessarily darker, but a bit more um, underground subjects that are not necessarily being talked about in the mainstream. So I think that's where that crossover lies a little mm. bit as well, yeah. Okay, so let's let's then look a bit more closely at Suspira, Suspira yeah. and the, the dealing with horror, but then looking at the monster. Yes. Um, Tell us more about what you know what you're doing with the magazine. What do you have a theme for the next one yet? Yes, we mm -hmm. do. So the next one is going to be the fetish issue. And it's going to explore kind of like the sweet spot where sex and horror meets, and you know we have different topics from the cinematic history of sex and sexuality in mm -hmm. horror to you know how religion and sexuality are being used as topics in films like The Devils and Rosemary's Baby. So we're going to do um, right. a feature about that. Um, and overall talk about, for example, the female representation throughout the period of exploitation films in the 60s and the 70s. So that's kind of like a few topics that we're going to touch upon on the fetish issue. And yeah. 
Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, listen, I'm, I'm kind of conscious that I've dragged you away from your magazine table and there's probably a queue of people with bicycles. <laughs> But thank you both for your time. Thank you for introduction to the projects and good luck with both of them. And speak to you soon, I hope. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very much. much. Highly regarded London printers, Park Communications, are a key part of the independent publishing scene, taking indie mags from desktop promise to printed reality. Over the past year, they've produced over 90 magazines with a huge range of print runs. Park offer a wide range of services to make your magazine stand out in a shop like Mag Culture. Check out the latest issue of Beauty Papers to see how they can customise your print run to feature as many as eight different front cover designs. Just like Mag Culture, Park love magazines and we're so proud to have them sponsor this podcast. Hi, welcome back. Um, in this section, I kind of wanted to, well, we both wanted to discuss front covers really because there's been a lot of um, stuff coming in September, so there's a lot of new magazines coming in. But um, I asked Jeremy what was one of the biggest sellers in the shop recently and he said it was the AIGA magazine, which is called Ion Design, uh, which we were just discussing as interesting because when I mean, you walk into Mag Culture and I mean, there's just hundreds of magazines mm -hmm. on show, but most of them seem to have um, a face on the cover looking out at you with its eyes, yeah. looking into your eyes. But the nice thing about the AIGA magazine, um, Ion Design, is the fact that its cover for the second time is just a massive sort of big, scary eye. Um, but it's a graphic cover and it's... it's the, this one in particular is, is the, the whole issue is about psych, but it's just covered in these lines that kind of uh, on this die cut cover, which just kind of make your own eyes when you look it's, at it. It's that it's like that kind of animal collective record sleeve that just makes your brain melt. I don't know what you describe like magic it's, eye. It's kind of magic eye. It's kind of it's very graphic, strong. It, it, what what's fascinating to me is that it, it, there are no cover lines. It doesn't announce what it is, but it is an eye, and it's kind of like um, a sort of the the idea that a front cover should have eye contact on it reduced to the most essential essence in the sense that it's just one eye yeah and it works and people, it's interesting people isn't it? are yeah. absolutely drawn to it not just in the shop here but as i mentioned we've done a couple of pop-ups recently and in both situations um people are absolutely drawn to this front cover so it's the eye it's always you know the eye attracts you and it's um yeah and then when you open it up it's just I like mean, even more no of a treat back. yes it's <laughs> so good yeah as we say the theme is psych um and it's been designed by Shira Inbar yeah and they have a different designer for every issue e each issue has a, is done by somebody different so the, the second issue is completely different than the first one and then there'll be a, you know when the third one comes it'll be different again it's just this like so many different colors it's all it's very psyche it not only the, the content is about, you know, things on the topic of psych, but also the way it's designed is psychedelic, everything about it, even the, the kind of like the copywriting, even the contributors page um, mm -hmm. sort of delves into but, but, kind but, of but, otherworldliness. And it's, it's, it's very, very um, easy to get carried away with the look of it and the feel of it, because that's absolutely the first impression. But then when you dig deeper and start reading it, it's really good writing in there, really good features. Yeah. Really interesting take on graphic design. It does It covers a bit of editorial design because there's a piece about... Uh, the heyday of Bloom, um, Business Bloom, but uh, <laughs> what was that magazine Bloom called? Bloomberg Business Week. <laughs> uh, the heyday of, of <laughs> the heyday of Bloomberg Business Week. Um, there's also a thing about Oz Magazine, which fits with the theme, obviously. But um, it, it's it's a very very interesting magazine. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see where this one where, where this one goes because this this has really hit the ground running and. Um, yeah, me too. It's very rich. It's yeah. like heavy with stuff in yeah, it. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Can't wait to get stuck into that. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting cover, especially as that's been um, such a kind of focus point for people coming into the shop. 
But there's also been, um, that kind of ties in nicely with a new book that's coming out soon, mm-hmm. which is all about front covers, which is called Uncovered Revolutionary Magazine Covers, which has all kind of like, it's just, well, it's kind of one of those big books you get that is covered, full of magazine covers. But Absolutely. the nice thing about this is it well, actually... I mean, it's, there's the eye candy side of it. It is a series of front covers, although and interestingly, in terms of the context of what we're talking about, remarkably few of these covers actually have eye contact, have faces with eye contact yeah um but it's by ian birch who used to be the editorial director at hearst magazines and he's collected together a series of of the magazines uh, the magazine covers which is fine but then he's also tracked down some of the people that made them um and the the key to this whole book really is that he's got the background stories to talking to the editors art directors photographers illustrators people involved about how the covers came about yeah, it's just nice to actually have some some context rather than just the pictures of the covers. It's nice to actually have these quotes from the photographers who were there on the shoot or, mm-hmm. you know, how minds were changed at the last minute. And, and that's kind of often how the best covers come out, isn't it? Yeah, it's just because absolutely. someone's gone, hang on, let's scrap it and start again. And just yeah. a new idea comes out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, in terms of the eye contact thing, we were looking through um, the book and there's one cover which is The Gentlewoman from 2012. It's that kind of blossom pink cover and the, the star is Angela Lansbury, who's kind of looking out. Um, I mean, she's looking straight into your eyes and, and her eyes are actually behind a big pair of um, wide-rimmed, thick-rimmed glasses, which I think they are actually Terry Richardson's glasses. They are, they're That's the right. glasses. Um, <laughs> she, she, um, she whipped them off and put them on and um, she's got a very knowing kind of uh, flirty look. Yeah, she does it. She just looks great, and yeah. that cover is just just such kind of. Um... And of course, she's much older than uh, 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 you would normally expect a, <laughs> a star woman on the front cover to be. She's, yeah, she's definitely, not... but she just carries so much character and yeah, personality. Yeah. And there's a, there's a quote from um, Penny Martin from the Gentlewoman um, in the book, and she says, "When the pictures came in, there was a kind of a strange moment. I don't think it's happened before where we looked at them and started howling with laughter. People love that picture. It's a celebration of female role models, women of purpose. It's almost a political statement." That was from Penny Martin. Absolutely, and I, and I remember when that issue came out, it really made a splash. And it's, uh, I, I mean, the, the issue, I guess, with making such a splash is that then you've got to follow it up with another splash. And I know. Always, you know. Was that that cover? Was that after the one of Adele smoking a fag on the front? Because that was like. Was uh, it, yes. Of, well, well, I guess that. Yes, it was after that. It was yes. in that first handful, yeah. wasn't it, where everyone was still kind of yeah. a bit, mm-hmm. a bit kind of amazed that the gentleman even existed, and everyone was kind of a bit blown away, and then yeah. it just kept on being like smash cover after smash yeah. cover. But, but the Angela one is like that is probably yeah, when everyone picks their favourite. One, it's kind uh, of uh, a, you know, clearly from that quote there, Penny, Penny's, Penny and the team at the magazine, I think, are very conscious of the fact that that magazine made a big splash at the time. Exactly. So speaking of amazing front covers and The Gentlewoman, mm-hmm. um, this week has seen the relaunch of Interview Magazine. Yes, um, which, which might not seem to make sense, but no. where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? We're going with it because it's the relaunch of Interview Magazine, yeah. which is fascinating in yeah, itself. absolutely. But because um, Interview Magazine, uh, the, the new cover features the same cover star as The Gentlewoman's mm-hmm. new issue, and they both feature Agnes Varda, the fantastic um, film director. So we wanted to talk about Interview Magazine because it... Um, it closed back in May. In May this closure, year, yes, suddenly which closed. Which is super yeah, sad, yeah. and everyone was very upset about it. Lots of lots of um, sobbing and crying online. It was, <laughs> <laughs> but it was sad. No, absolutely no. When, I don't mean when that something that no, yeah, I know when that something in pop culture like that dies, mm-hmm. it, it is. It is but, sad. Also, it never seemed like it would. That's I think that's why yeah. everyone was so sad. It was a bit of a shock. But it's also, I mean, it's. As it happens, it's now just coming. I think next year is its fiftieth birthday. But of course, its roots are with Andy Warhol and the sixties, and very much that kind of era of of great new future and hope and yeah. excitement. And the, and that magazine still kind of had that 
in its DNA. Well, it was, um, as you said earlier, it was kind of like um, a celebrity magazine without, it was like a celebrity magazine before the days of celebrity, really. Yes, it was yeah. just about, it's about fabulous people. And I think it continues to be that. Well, it's about fabulous people interviewing other fabulous people. Yeah, meta-fabulous. Meta, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're back. How come they're back? It, having, having seemingly gone forever, they're suddenly back. Um, they're relaunching uh, with the kind of eye looking back at its the original roots. It's much, I mean, I think in the last few years, it became a real fashion magazine. It joined in with the whole kind of style press and was competing with another genre of magazine altogether. And I think now they, they, they're looking, they've turned sort of 180 degrees back to where they came from. And it's more, there's still fashion in it, but it's more about celebrity again. It's more... Um, about the well it's about kind of it's people in culture just discussing culture with other people yeah in absolutely culture. well uh, <laughs> it's and, cool. and, 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 and the cover story is a case in point so it's Agnes yeah. Varda, um interviewed by Hans Ulrich Obrist yeah um again <laughs> does that happen often <laughs> <laughs> well, not not that in particular one but it seems to me that that the, the, there's, de- there's a definite kind of tick box next to Am I a cool indie mag at the moment? That says, <laughs> is Han- Hans Ulrich Ulbrist involved? Tick, yes, done. Hans, if you're listening, yeah, yeah. chill out. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so also, it's that they've got Richard Turley involved. Richard Turley, yeah, who, oh, that's we, the other big love. thing, of course. So, um, so they, they, they've had Fabian Barron, who is the kind of uh, uber eighties, super stylish, fashion uh, entrepreneur designer. Um, who's kept it looking on spec and beautiful for, for the last 10 years or so. Uh, but now Richard Turley's come in to fuck it up a bit and it's all a yeah. bit kind of um, uh, well, very Turley. Um, yeah, when you open it up, you can see that yes. he's, it's got him all over it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, it's, it, and it's fascinating to see that, that kind of aesthetic, which you've seen in one or two smaller independent projects that Richard has done recently. But that kind of Bloomberg Business Week uh, approach to the typography and the layout being applied into far more kind of commercial, if you like, kind of more mainstream type of magazine culture. So it's probably, um, I mean, Agnes Varda has been everywhere at the moment. She's mm. on all, all the big websites. She's in a lot of yeah, print yeah. publications. Um, and she is the latest star of The Gentlewoman, as we mentioned, mm. with a beautiful um, cover photo, where she looks fantastic. And same as the in- as interview magazine. So I think we're going to be seeing a, seeing a lot of Agnes and reading a lot about her, which is no bad thing because she's a... 90-year-old mm-hmm. legend of the film industry and is just, I mean, she's just spectacular. So that's absolutely fine. But it is something to comment on that there are two. The interview magazines come back, um, which everyone's happy mm-hmm. about, but they've got the same cover as a gentleman. And, that, and gentleman, when the cover comes out, is quite a, it's quite a big deal. So I suppose it's, um, it was going to happen, but how did it happen? That they both came out in the same week, the same cover star. Yeah. Mm. So it's curious that both magazines have selected the same cover star, albeit a, a absolutely valid and, and a great uh, cover star to pick. Um, but it's always interesting to me how different magazines will then approach their interviewee, their subject, and how, the, and how they cover them and what that tells us about the two magazines. Yeah. You've had a look at the two interviews in the magazines. Yeah, I was. Um, I did a sort of like a scientific uh, look at both. Um, it's so nice, actually, because both features are fantastic. But uh, yeah, as you say, just fascinating that you can do such a different job with 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 the same subject mm-hmm. um, and commission it in a completely different way. Anyway, so in Interview Magazine, they took Agnes and they um, set up a photo shoot with her by the artist and photographer Collier Shaw, whose work tends to be photographing, I guess, kind of documenting like the fleeting 
fleeting youth, adolescence, teenagers. So for her to be shooting at a 90 year old filmmaker mm-hmm. is is great. It's a nice just touch. Kind of, yeah, it's yeah, a nice yeah. touch. It's a really good choice. And um, the title of the piece they've made in the magazine is Dinosaur of the New Wave. And then in brackets, her words, not ours, because that's how Agnes called, like, refers to herself in the piece, which is really funny. So it kind of there's a really cheeky picture of her. It starts off quite casual. It's it, it's kind of set up to be cheeky and fun from from page one. And then you turn the page and actually it's not a written through piece. It's a Q&A with uh, Agnes's friend, Hans Ulrich Obrist. Um, they've been friends since 2003, so like a long time. And... The piece that the the conversation was conducted in um, the Parisian courtyard where Agnes wrote her first film. So that's kind of nice. It's just two old friends having mm-hmm. a chat in in a place where Agnes is comfortable. So that's great. And also, it reveals that she was actually on the first ever cover of Interview magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which so uh, it makes total sense for their comeback to have mm-hmm. to have Agnes. It's a really nice kind of um, look to the future, but with a kind of nod to the past. Um, and they've also got this great feature once the Q and A with. Hans is over. They do this feature where um, they got in touch with some of her past collaborators and conspirators like Jane Birkin, uh, Isabel Hooper, Angelina Jolie, Molly Haskell, JR, the artist. And they've just kind of asked people to write about why they love Agnes or anecdotes about working with her, which is a very interview thing to do because it's like, look at all our celeb friends. Yes, yeah. <laughs> let's let's hear them talk about this other celebrity yeah, yeah. in the context of... Mm-hmm. Um, pop culture so it's cool and then Meanwhile in The Gentlewoman Meanwhile in The Gentlewoman um, Agnes was photographed by Alistair McLennan because who else Uh, and she was shot again at her home in Paris and the text um, was by Holly Brubach who is this extraordinary writer whose bio I was just reading reads like sort of the first few lines of a Donna Tartt novel Listen to this. This is Holly Brubach's um, bio on Mm -hmm. her homepage, which is an inspiration. I mean, we should Uh all change our bio. It says, after college at Duke University and a brief dance career brought to an end by an injury, I found myself writing for magazines, working for a series of legendary editors who not only gave me a break, but entrusted me with assignments that proved to be important installments in my education. Anyway, it goes on. But she's written Mm -hmm. for The New Yorker. She was a staff writer. She worked for The New York Times. She's just she's written books. Mm -hmm. She's just fantastic woman. So reading that and knowing she's going to be in conversation Mm -hmm. with well, talk writing about Agnes Varda is just very exciting. And does it deliver? Oh, my God. Yeah, Uh it's the best. It's Uh way more where Hans was just sort of like it was like a a loving, a loving chat between two Mm -hmm. old friends. This is a kind of. This is a, this is for those who know Agnes or don't know Agnes or know her work. This is just a complete blow by blow account of of her life mm-hmm. and her personal life and and her and her importance as a woman in the industry as well as um, just her importance to culture as a whole, really. And it's just very it's detailed, but it's it's loving and it's it's warm and it's just no, it's just perfect, really. I th- I think I personally I needed to read a written through article rather than just have the Q and A because I mm-hmm. wanted a bit more background. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something. I mean, the the gentlewoman put great store on their interviews, and they do. Yeah. They 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 do two or three separate interviews, and they you know they do an interview, come away. Yeah. Research it, make sure, go back, re question. I know. I mean, I'd I'd like to read an article about about the writer meeting the subject. Do you know what I mean? Uh uh Because that's a story in itself, like the relationship they build up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is fascinating. It's a really good technique, I think, if you if you can have that kind of access. Well, well, it's all about the access, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Or just kind of making sure that your subject knows that you're going to pay so much attention to them. You're going to say, I'm going to invest in getting this article just right. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do a quick half hour phone. I'm going to yeah, really yeah. spend time documenting you and getting to know the real you. Because yeah. I think maybe the subjects would be more up for that than maybe people would think. 
to make yes. sure that a good yes. writer spends enough but time with them to really profile them properly. Absolutely, but, uh, but I think the access issue is less to do with the with the person, the subject. It's more to do with the people around them who are see it as their job to pr yeah. protect them from this hassle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, uh, one more thing about um, comparing the two features. Uh -huh. I thought it was interesting that the in like, interview magazine had a had a team of like twenty. Um, mm -hmm. Like makeup, hair, stylists, like it's, whatever. It's, almost, what, it's a kind of almost a fashion shoot alongside the article. Yeah, they isn't made it, it very. Um, there's a lot of like pomp to it, whereas in the Gentlewoman, um, they just say that you know that they have a small note at the side saying Agnes styles her own bowl cut, and she's wearing her own clothes, and it just seems a lot more at home and a lot more. I suppose Agnes is is really being her, and she's mm -hmm. looking straight into the camera, and she's just kind of just looking right into your eyes and it just seems more true the interview one is just a kind of like a well it's very interview it's just that kind mm -hmm. of mad like ah where she's been mm -hmm. done up to be something no not, not that she's not but don't know it doesn't seem quite as true but i guess in the end we recommend that you get both yeah i actually would recommend <laughs> that you get both but still on the theme of covers it's worth a mention that time out book of covers celebrating its 50th anniversary has just been published which is Great. Again, uh, you know, it's just a whole load of front covers. Um, and there's also an exhibition of the front covers at the uh, Museum of Brands in Notting Hill. Have you been to the Museum of Brands before? No. <laughs> no, it's a, a, slightly, a slightly old place to see this exhibition. What I, brand I would you like to learn more about in the Museum of Brands? Um, <laughs> who's your favourite brand? God, who's <laughs> for, for what in in what realm? Marmite. You um, like Margaret Howell, don't you? I do like Margaret Howell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure um, there's an exhibition there there yet. Um, we had a good chat about Pret earlier. We're both quite big Pret, Pret fans. I like Holston mm. Pills. <laughs> I like. Oh, beer. Okay. Um, Marmite. I mean, I, there's a lot of brands that I could really get behind. But if if I had to have one sponsor, that I'd like to. Acne. Mm, jeans. Mm, someone's doing all right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dior. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so go and see um, an exhibition celebrating 50 years of Time Out covers at the Museum of Brands in yeah. Notting Hill. Yeah. Very nice. And there are more books about magazines happening. There's, yes. there's, a, there's a what promises to be a very interesting book about Apartamento. Yeah, that's going to be great. They're, they're, they're nowhere near 50, but they're on 10. So the 10th anniversary was marked earlier this year with, with, with their, with their um, 20th issue. And now they've got the book out. Omar, the creative director, spoke at ModMag New York and explained the book. And it's kind of like it's the best, best of stuff from the magazine. But instead of it being interviews with photographs, it's going to be photographs with a few interviews. Mm. That's going to be one of... A subtle change, but... That's going to be one of those books that everyone has. And mm -hmm. that when you go to someone's house, there's just they they'll have that book. It's yeah, just going to yeah. be, especially before Christmas, it's going to like save Christmas in a way because everyone just uh -huh. bite to the that. But also, you know, when you go to people's houses, especially like the design world, they've always got. I'm trying to think of what that book could be. There was a time where everyone had that book called Hand Job, which is about handwritten type. Yes, yes. Like yeah, everyone yeah. had it. I yeah. think that's going to be the new one of those. Yes, the new the, Hand Job. There's always a book like that. <laughs> there's, there's always a particular art. <laughs> Fanzines by Teal Triggs. Yeah, that's, that's it. one. Yeah, yeah. Trying to look at your shelf now, see what else you've got. But you know, it's, it's those books. Yeah, that it's are always just a like... book. Yeah, but apart, that's ready. I mean, in a sense, part, Apartamento itself is already, already a bit like that. But yeah. the book will be. You just can't not that, enjoy that, it. That square cube. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it looks cool. Everyone on your will want it. Coffee table in your Airbnb. Everyone will want it. Um, and then talking about Mod Mag, 
We're just a few weeks away from the next mod mag. So we, we, we don't need to go into it in great detail, but just to mention that. It's not in a few it. weeks, is it? It's about six weeks. Oh my god! Six weeks. Okay. But we've just announced, and uh, we're um, we're announcing various speakers. But we we're just talking about Iron Design, and we're excited to say that the woman behind that magazine, Perrin Drum, will be t- coming over to talk about that at the conference. So. And she is great, so that's she definitely worth going buying yeah. a ticket for. Which brings us to the final part of, of of the podcast, I think. Yeah, where you it's called what are we calling it again? It's back issue. Back issues. Because it's at the back, and we look back. And, and <laughs> Yeah. So, so this is where Jeremy delves into his yeah, okay, his so, shelves and brings up books from, <laughs> from the days of yore to, to, to <laughs> this, talk about. This one's from this, the 1940s this goes back when to the 40s, Jeremy yeah. was in his <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> Picked it up as a student. <laughs> Joking. That is so blow the belt. No, I was at school. Um, so th- this time I've selected Lilliput, which um, was a charming little magazine that didn't look like, just extraordinary. I mean, you were describing it earlier. It looks like a uh, almost like a magazine for little girls. Was little it girls, yeah. if not like elves. It's yes, like a yes. tiny... As the name suggests, Lilliput. Lilliput. It, is, it is a small magazine and it kind of started out as, as a magazine for men, but then... Uh, uh, realized that that was uh, at that stage too limited so it became the, it became known as the pocket magazine for everyone um but it was it was um, conceived by a guy called Stefan Laurent who went on to invent picture post um which is a far more famous magazine but the pictures in here this is what particularly drew me to it we'll come to so, covers in a minute so beautiful. Talk about but there's these pairing of pictures which are extraordinary which just seem run of run of the mill to us now but at the time the idea of having, a, of having full page pictures of two things that look similar to each other next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very sort of Tumblr concept. It, They'll be like, you know, someone's yeah. posted like a flock of birds, but then like well, well, some soup and they're like, oh my God, it's the well, same. It's, not even, it's, it's Tumblr, it's just so many um, in, internet memes, it's so many record sleeves, it's so many yeah. s- clever little bits of design that we've seen, but it's just you know, putting two pictures together and making a little visual joke about the fact that X looks like Y. Yeah, there's one here. It's um, on the left hand side is Pretty Lady 1861, which is a lady in 1861 with her boobs out. And then on the opposite page is Pretty Lady 1941, <laughs> which is a lady with her boobs out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, in the same position. And there's one of Clark Gable next to a picture of a, a gargoyle. Um, it's just it's just very, I mean, it's just pictures that look similar next to it. Anyway, it's, it's, there's it's much, little, much little more to the magazine than that, isn't but, it? But then, like, and of course, there's more to that. Not least the front covers with its. Um, with their illustrations, which always featured uh, a little black dog. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the cutest magazine I've ever seen in my whole life. And I think more magazines should be this size. It's quite nice to have a little kind of yeah, pocket, pocket size. size. Yeah, and, 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 and for, for all, I mean, there, there are things that would be familiar to people who make magazines now. There are also some, as you, I mean, incredibly dated out of time. I mean, it's it's, it's so old fashioned now. It's 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 charming, but some of it is... Well, sexist essentially just sexist <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just you wouldn't get away with it now no um, <laughs> definitely not 
Um, so if you like sexist pocket magazines, <laughs> do check out Lilliput. Um, no, really, though, it is that is super cute. If you're into illustration or if you like the sort of comics mm-hmm. and the New Yorker and the cartoons, yeah. then you'll love this because it's just full of little scratchy ink drawings and cartoons that probably were funny then, but definitely make no sense of now. Of its time. Yeah. Of its time. <laughs> uh, so that's the end of it. So thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Mad Culture Podcast. Thank you for joining us. And see you next time in the Mad Culture Shop. Bye. You've been listening to the Mag Culture Podcast. Please show your support and subscribe to our show on iTunes.